Welcome back to Truck Tech, everyone. Uh, this week, we are taking a little bit of a different look at autonomous trucking. You know, most of the time when we write about it here at Freight Waves, we focus on the level four uh, truck people, the people with high autonomy that essentially want to remove the driver from the cab and, you know, have the trucks work on sort of hub to hub, middle mile uh, uh, efforts to then, you know, be met by a, a real driver at either end, either to bring the load up or to pick the load up when it gets there. This week, we're going to take a little bit of a different look um, at sort of a semi-autonomous approach to uh, autonomous trucking uh, with David Liu, who is the CEO and co-founder of PLUS. Now, we'll talk with David in just a minute. Uh, got a few headlines for you first. So Workhorse is going to try again on Friday to get the rest of the votes that it needs to increase the number of authorized shares in the company. This is a tactic that we're hearing more and more of for companies that have trouble sort of uh, accessing the capital markets right now. Uh, Workhorse earlier this week uh, adjourned its special meeting where it was hoping to get uh, 50% plus one vote of, of a bid to authorize 250,000 new shares in the company. Now, these numbers sound really big, but essentially what they amount to for shareholders is uh, a form of dilution down the road as these new shares are are registered why the people who uh, you know own the current shares uh, find that their value is, has gone down. Uh, but Workhorse is very close to getting approval. They don't need too much more to get it done, and they'll count those votes again on Friday. Um, on the same vein, over at uh, Lightning E-Motors, uh, we saw earlier this week that, that this electric startup uh, did manage to get actually an overwhelming approval to issue about 20% new shares in the company. Uh, that will go to um, uh, that, that will uh, that will go to a hedge fund that uh, uh, you know that will make money available or cash available for a Lightning to continue to scale its business in electric in electric buses and and electric uh, shuttle buses and things like that. You know, as I said, these these tactics are are getting pretty common for companies that you know have a lot of debt or don't have a lot of cash on hand. Uh, we just saw this go through over at Nikola just last week. Uh, earlier in this month, I should say, uh, when they were able to double the number of their authorized shares to uh, 1.6 billion from 800 million shares, uh, that took a little bit of help from the Delaware government to get that done. That's the state where Nikola is registered, but they now have access to uh, new shares to sell and raise capital. So we'll keep an eye on this. It's something that, as I say, we're seeing more and more of. Um, Also, Mercedes-Benz trucks, which is a part of Daimler truck, um, is uh, reporting some pretty interesting results from testing on the truck that you see on the screen, which is the E-Actros 600. This is the next generation uh, of the E-Actros, and they've just finished uh, hot weather testing in Spain on this truck. Uh, basically, uh, it came through, you know, I guess in very good shape. Uh, this truck will do about uh, 310 miles in a single charge. It can be recharged in about 30 minutes. So these are things, the reason we bring this to you is because this truck and, and the uh, Freightliner E-Cascadia e- are very similar, uh, kind of engineering twins, really. And uh, basically what ha- what that means is that when the truck finally gets over here as a Freightliner, around 2025, uh, you should be looking for kind of similar numbers. But uh, this is good news for the Mercedes-Benz truck folk in, in Europe. Okay, so let's move on to our guest today. Um, I haven't talked to him in a while, and, and we welcome in David Liu. David, great to have you back. Good to see you. Thank you, uh, Alan. It's great to be be here. I, I think we saw each other very briefly at the ATA last year. I believe that's where it was. It might have been 
the ACT Expo longer ago than that out at when it was still in Long Beach. But uh, really glad to have you on the show. You know, we we have we haven't talked as I said in a while, and you know, Plus is one of these companies that you know we really do need to spend a little bit of time and help people understand. I think how you're doing your business. You know, you're in the autonomous or semi-autonomous space. And I guess as we get started here, I just, I, I, I sort of want to understand and I want our, our audience to understand sort of how you're looking at the business. You know, you have, um, you have done some things a little differently from the companies, as I said, at the top that we, that we cover. So can you walk us through sort of this level two plus plus and where, you know, level four high autonomy fits into to what you're doing? Sure. Uh, happy to do that. So I don't know, you know, we've we, we known each other for years and, you, you know, we have always been a believer of the progressive approach. We believe that, um, you know, technology advancement is really an evolutionary process. Um, so we have one technology stack uh, software uh, that really powers different use cases in the uh, transportation automotive uh, space. Uh, we have a use case that powers the driver in use case. Uh, that's, uh, we have a product there called uh, L2++ Drive. And then uh, we have a use case utilizing the same software stack to power the L4 use case for driver out uh, transportation. And the product there is called SuperDrive. And uh, with these two products, uh, we're able to get a lot of traction uh, serving different set of customers with different goals. Now, David, Plus doesn't often get named among the Thomas Truck developers with uh, you know, the SuperDrive, which is actually, I probably should know it, but it's a newer name to me. I've been using PlusDrive all this time. Um, yet, you know, as we move into sort of the commercialization phase for some of these companies, and we'll talk about the fact that there's fewer of them than there used to be uh, later on, but it, it would appear that you're quietly succeeding on the PlusDrive side with the technology uh, that you're offering. You're also obviously you know, globally uh, doing tryouts, I guess, of the SuperDrive. Is the characterization of the company as an ADAS or semi-autonomous provider accurate? Is it, or is it frustrating at times because you don't get lumped in with, with some of the other level four players? Um, I don't think it's frustrating. I think, you know, uh, the fact is we do have two product lines. We have a product line uh, focusing on called semi-autonomous uh, applications with driver-in uh, trucks uh, that we provide, uh, you know, value add on safety and driver comfort as well as fuel saving. That's where Plus Drive uh, focuses on. On the only driver out L4 space, our product is SuperDrive. And the commercializing, the really scalable commercialization of SuperDrive are still a little bit ways off. So with our partners in the space, uh, 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 we are really on the uh, still on the pilot phase, right? We're we're developing the product uh, 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 along with our partners and trying to figure out what is the most uh, attainable uh, path to get to real scalable deployment. That's why you hear a little less about uh, SuperDrive on the commercialization front. All right. Well, now we're getting used to the term, and I think it'll come off my tongue a little easier. SuperDrive. Because I, I know that just recently, I think last week, you announced uh, the pilot runs in Australia with Transurban, and you've also talked about doing, you know, this testing, I guess, with SuperDry with Aveco in Europe, um, I believe. I, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong there. What, but why has Plus decided to do its their level four testing uh, outside the U.S. rather than here? Is there any reason for that? 
So uh, we're extremely excited about our partnership with Transurban and Iveco from a year ago. Uh, so Transurban, for uh, many of the folks that uh, that that know them, uh, you know, it's a, it's a large infrastructure road operator uh, headquartered in Australia. Uh, they own and operate a bunch of toll roads in Australia. They also have uh, some operation in the U United States. They own some toll roads on the East Coast. Uh, so they are a, a like $30, $40 billion company that's very, very established. And they are looking at the future of their smart infrastructure and how would, you know, call it the autonomous vehicles impact the, the future of the, the transportation? How is that going to be working together with the smart infrastructure they're building today? And so that's the project that we're working with on uh, to really uh, try to shape the future of that, that autonomous uh, transportation. And yet, Texas, New Mexico, places like that, certainly not California, that's something else we probably won't get to, but th there are a number of places that, that are, in fact, you know, uh, being set up for the testing. Was there, has been thought given to, you know, testing Superdrive in this country, or will you do it as part of the Transurban project, or how, how do you think that'll work out? So you will be hearing more on that front. So we are also doing projects in the United States and uh, you will be hearing some announcement in the coming months. Uh, so we are, you know, we have projects in the United States. We were uh, working on obviously Europe and Australia. So we have, we do have a global footprint on, on that front. Okay. And you don't want to tell me more today, do you? All right. I'll let you go on that. But here. Uh, you, now, you announced Velocity about a, a little over a year ago as your aftermarket supplier to upfit the, the, the plus drive into the, with the semi-autonomous features into the trucks that you described. Um, you've added some partnerships with Luminar for LiDAR, Bosch for safety systems. How many installations has, uh, has Velocity or Plus now done? And Or if you don't want to give that number, although I hope you do, uh, how many fleets are now running plus drive? Yeah, so that has to do with the plus drive, the kind of level two plus plus product line. And on that right. front, you know, we have flagship fleets that we have deployed our retrofit product uh, with. And, you know, we, we, we really use that as a, uh, a, a, a demonstration of the capability of our product. But our focus has been on uh, trying to scalably deploy that product. Uh, and our focus has been on, you know, getting the, the, the technology pre-installed at OEM and working with the tier ones collaboratively to provide that technology to the OEM at a scalable fashion. That's why we have partnership with Luminar. Uh, more, more recently, we announced a partnership with Bosch. And uh, that's how we're uh, going to uh, be able to go to market uh, with a plus drive product at a scalable fashion. Where would you say you are on the scaling at this point? I mean, would you, a year into the Velocity Partnership, a little over a year? Uh, I know you very deftly did not answer either of those questions, David, about the number of fleets or or or, or the number of installations. Um, can you be a little more specific in terms of where you are on that, on that uh, spectrum? Yeah, so on the retrofit market side, we're taking a, a, a less aggressive approach. So we were only signing up flagship fleets uh, at, at a sort of pilot speed, right? So th these are, we're talking about dozens and in, in most cases, uh, you know, no more than a hundred, uh, type of installation for on the, on the retrofit market side. Uh, and then on the OEM pre-install side, 
uh, we're you know working with uh, the tier ones and OEMs uh, proactively right now, uh, trying to you know build this type of system into their next generation uh, product releases. So whenever okay. their next, so you are, oh, I'm sorry, whenever their next generation trucks coming out, uh, hopefully some of these trucks will have Plus Drive pre-installed. Okay, so this is something that. It does get to a question that I think actually I have a little little lower in in my things I wanted to ask you about, but but that is this idea of having a a uh, manufacturing partnership. You know, there, there's a lot of people in this space who feel that's critically important. And of course, if you look at say Aurora Innovation, they're working with Packard, they're working with Volvo. You've got Torca courses, you know, an independent subsidiary of Daimler, and uh, you know, so there's a couple of examples. Um, do you see yourself uh, essentially having a manufacturing partnership? For example, I know early on you did a lot of work with Navistar. Uh, Navistar was working with Too Simple, no longer is. Uh, would you see Navistar as a possible sort of partner for you? Yeah, so we definitely think that OEM play uh, play a critical role in enabling an autonomous future. Uh, that's why we work with we, we, we believe that it takes an industry or an ecosystem to actually make it happen. And that's why we work with the tier ones, the OEMs, the fleets, the, the road and infrastructure providers, and everybody in the ecosystem, in the value chain, to jointly uh, enable the autonomous future. Uh, plus, it's really positioned as a technology provider to the industry. So rather than looking at ourselves as an autonomous operator, uh, we provide technology to our partners. Uh, whether that being a OEM or a uh, a infrastructure provider, uh, we are the technology, or more on the software cases, uh, we are a a software technology provider uh, to the partners to enable um, the autonomous transportation capability. So this mm-hmm. idea then of uh, essentially having you know redundant chassis and things like that is that not something that, as a technology provider, you use your words is that not something then that you see yourselves needing to really be concerned with. I mean, having that redundant chassis and all the things that basically make autonomy work, you know, uh, when you don't have a human driver. I think a redundant chassis is absolutely a must-have to make uh, driverless transportation to work. But it's not something that we have, uh, you know, capability or capacity to work on, right? That's why we partner with folks who have a lot of value add to that on the OEM side and on tier one side to provide uh, redundant chassis, which is a critical component to enable uh, fully driverless trucks. But in addition to redundant chassis, there are other stuff that, that's needed to make uh, you know, driverless transportation to happen, right? On the infrastructure side, on the regulation side, on some others enabling technology side, uh, there's, there's, it, it, the, the scope is quite big. And uh, you know, we focus on what we do the best, which is, you know, enable the autonomous driving software. And then we have partners worry about the rest of it to, uh, to jointly make this uh, future happen uh, for everybody. How do you feel about the, the timeline? And I don't need to pin you down here, but, you know, we do have a couple of companies, uh, Kodiak and, uh, excuse me, not Kodiak, but, um, but uh, Aurora and, and Too Simple. And I hope we have enough time to get into that in a moment. But, but uh, those two have a sort of announced timing for late next year to do a commercialized route, uh, not many routes, but a commercialization. How far away do you really think we are in, in that in that pr- approach or in that 
pursuit, especially from the plus side. Do, yeah, are so you comfortable with an estimate? Yeah, I can. I can give you a sense of where we think things stand. Right. So you know, we've been working with our partners in this space uh, on piloting. Uh, you know, call it autonomous operations. In most cases, with a safety driver in the cab. Right. So we've been piloting this as uh, you know individual specific routes. Uh, in, in different type of uh, constrained ODD setup, you know, for instance, with Transurban, they they are a toll road operator out in Australia, so they they have some part of their road infrastructure that they can provide for this type of pilot operation. So for these type of pilot operations happening today, and uh, you know what we're looking at is how do we span the ODD, how do we span the reliability, how do we bring down the cost of these you know call it pilot autonomous operations. Uh, over time, um, but you know it's it's going to be a process to really scale this type of uh, you know call it deployment to to make them commercially viable, and it's going to take however long it's going to take. So from a, from a you know the the, the pre- previous topic we just talked about, you know for this to be truly scalable, you need redundant chassis. So we should ask the OEMs and tier ones what their timeline is to be able to enable redundant chassis, right? Because without that, we're not going to have a scalable deployment of driverless transportation. Okay. A couple of years ago, David, I think it might have been the first time we talked, you told me, originally I thought the number was 10, but you told me that Plus One had 8 billion miles of real-world experience with safety drivers before uh, removing the driver from, from the cab. Is this still among the things you're working toward? Yeah, so we believe that real-world testing and real-world data gathering is critical to advance the technology, both from a maturity as well as from a reliability and validation point of view. So we continue to embark on that road. We continue to, that's why we have commercial real operations out there to continue to validate and improve and to mature our technology. Uh, I, I think that this road is a, it's a, it's a road that we have to travel down. Uh, so we, we still hold true that uh, we think it's critical, uh, not only doing simulation, but also to gather real-world testing data and testing validation. Do, do you have a number of sort of what you have in the bank so far in terms of real-world miles? Can you, can you bring, bring us up to speed on that? Uh, unfortunately, I can't really disclose that because that's uh, confidential client information. So because uh, it's, uh, you know, th- these are our technology deployed on our customer fleets. Right. You know, I, I want to switch over, spend the last couple, last few minutes here on, on finances. You know, you haven't announced any new fundraising in, in, in more than two years. And I realize you're privately held, but can you sort of discuss your capital situation at this point in terms of, you know, what do you have what you need? And yeah, so uh, the company is really uh, well positioned financially. You know, fortunately, uh, in 2021, we raised a few hundred million dollars uh, prior to, uh, uh, to 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 announcement of our SPAC uh, transaction, so uh, you know, d- despite the, the the what happened on the capital markets in the last two years, uh, you know, the company we were extremely well positioned in terms of financial runway, um, and we're we're you know because of the all the commercial traction we're getting uh, recently uh, in in the last uh, couple of years, uh, we're also hearing a lot of positive feedback from the investment community. So I, I think once the the capital market it looks like it's starting to turn uh, different ways, uh, and I, I think we, we we continue to keep our eyes open on uh, 
uh, what do we want to do on the on the capital market front. But uh, our focus is really on you know continue to advance our technology, continue to uh, get traction with our commercialization with our customers, and that has always been our focus. Sure, and I I guess you know that that's something I left a, a couple of questions behind. Uh, you know, it would seem that with Plus Drive and with being in hundreds and you know thousands of trucks, I think you indicated, uh, you would be bringing in some revenue at this point. Are you gross margin positive at, the, at this point? Uh, so we are getting to gross margin positive now. Now here's the thing, right? With retrofit business, the reason we are not uh, scaling that business up is because the high cost of doing retrofit. It's really not a okay. uh, a great way to 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 scale that financially. Uh, that's why we focus on now starting to provide technology to the tier ones and to OEMs to have these technology pre-installed in trucks. So we become a supplier to 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 the OEMs. That'll help us, uh, you know, uh, reduce the cost of scaling. Okay. You know, I I also I didn't ask it, but I got to ask it straight out. How do you think about Plus when you consider going public at this point? You said the markets are beginning to turn. We're starting to see some evidence of that and that you've got some, some of the investment community you know, rooting for you at least. How do you feel about Plus going public? Do you think that happens? or uh, I, I think that time will tell. Uh, and so far, I, I think that the capital market on the IPO front is uh, it's not great. And that's what the, what, what the bankers and the, the, uh, the financial investors have been telling us. Uh, but from a business traction point of view, we're getting a lot of traction. So I'm quite excited about the prospect of uh, our business. And then when the timing is right, you know, we'll, we'll continue to evaluate that and uh, and look at if, if there's a good time for us to go public. Sure. Well, I, in some ways, you probably uh, aren't, aren't uh, lamenting the fact that your spec didn't work out because it it certainly hasn't gone well for some other companies. Uh, you know, notably uh, Embark uh, comes to mind there. And of course, Waylo Via is pulled back. You know, it's interesting that you um, uh, have seen the same thing I have, which is the shakeout in the autonomous space. Did that happen sooner than you expected? Did you did you see it coming and expect it to be this quick? Uh, I don't know about that. I I, I think uh, you know it kind of proved uh, what we thought uh, was the right strategy for for ourselves, right? So we we have always believed in a few things. One is we believe in a evolutionary progressive approach to technology. We believe in a focus on commercialization. Uh, we believe in a focus on customers and, and value add and creating positive value for our customer utilizing our technology. So I think as long as we focus on those things, uh, we will uh, be able to na- navigate a lot of these, uh, call it uh, curveballs that are being thrown at us. Sure. Well, you know what? We're running out of time already. I want to try to get two more in for you. One, a, a couple of years ago, we talked about uh, Plus and Too Simple, and you guys seem to go back and forth, you know, uh, a, a little bit. You told me at one time that you sort of forced them out of China to focus on the U.S. Now they seem to be going the other direction. Where do you stand in your partnership, uh, joint venture, I think it is, with uh, First Auto Works and, and and that they were actually doing, uh, you know, online installations? Is that correct for you? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I said that uh, we forced to symbol out China, but I have a tremendous respect for them. Uh, it's a it's it's a good company with uh you know good good people and good technology, and uh, you know a Tom's uh, vehicle and when Tom's transportation industry is a big industry, and uh, you know every company has their own strategy and focus on what they want to do. Uh, 
So uh, I, I'll leave that to, 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 to themselves, right? I can't really comment on their strategy. But what we've been always focusing on is looking at, you know, how do we enable uh, our partners and customers to, to chase after that vision of, uh, you know, providing a safer and greener transportation for, for, for the world? Um, and, right. you know, and it's, it's, it, we're doing that globally. So we're doing that, uh, you know, in, in the U.S. and Europe, we have, uh, you know, now starting have a project in Australia, but also previously we had a business in, in China. Uh, and right. while we're seeing that, we, you know, it, 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 you know we, we start realizing it's really difficult or complex to run a global business. Every market has got its own call it dynamic, market dynamic, its own ecosystem, uh, it's, in some cases, its own different uh, business model. Uh, you know, so uh, we, uh, so our, in terms of our China operation, we have spun that out as an independent business. Uh, so that's uh, operating in China with its own sort of business model and vision uh, separate from the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, so in it, there- It's uh, no longer yeah. part of Plus then, is that right? Uh, we are a minority financial uh, investor in that business, but uh, we are not a okay, uh, operation anymore. Gotcha. Well, yeah, David, I'm really sorry. We're actually over. I'm going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on. Great to catch up as we did. I probably could have done 30 more minutes with you. Um, but folks, next week, we will be looking at infrastructure again around electrification uh, with uh, the, um, the folks at Volterra and some of the local uh, regulations that are kind of needed to help move along some of the infrastructure issues. Um, we hope you'll join us for that. You know, you can catch this episode of Truck Tech and uh, all the others um, on the FreightWaves YouTube channel. Uh, go to shows and then click Truck Tech and you'll get a full playlist of what's available for you there. Uh, we hope you'll take advantage of that and we will see you next time.